Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions, which is me. If you like how we sound or are thinking about starting a podcast, reach out to me. I am easy to find. Pod for Good can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you enjoy what we do here, please make sure to subscribe and share this episode on social media. I am, as always, your chief philanthropod and class clown for health equity, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for medical access, Chris Miller. Now, listeners, you might be wondering, we, we changed up the way we did that opening because we realized we've been doing it wrong this whole time. We just could replace the word justice for which, with whatever word or issue we were dealing with in an episode instead of coming up with ridiculous nicknames to come out afterwards. So we are sorry it took us this long to come up with the clearly better way of doing it. But we're here now. Yeah. And so I'm happy about it. Yeah. And full credit to uh, my co-host Chris for realizing that <laughs> and not me. In this episode, we are very excited to talk to uh, Dr. Gibran Pasha, who is now the Vice President of Health Equity and the Tulsa Market Medical Director for Juno Medical. We talked to Dr. Gibran about Juno's unique care model, which is really exciting. We talk about the importance of health equity, not just here, but across their entire footprint. And we also talk about how uh, they plan to try to build trust um, with the community of Tulsa and specifically marginalized groups. So if you're looking to go to a doctor's office where you don't have to show up 30 minutes early and then wait an extra 30 minutes past your time, look for Juno Medical coming this late spring, early summer. (laughs) Enjoy, everybody. We are very excited to have Dr. Gibran Pasha back on the podcast. Gibran, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to, uh, to be back. It's been either like four years or... 15 years. I'm not yeah. quite sure, but I know I've been on here at least once before. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a whole, it's been a whole pandemic. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or it, multiple pandemics, depending yeah. on how you measure it. Last time we spoke to you, you were a doctor at OU Tulsa, right? Yes. And, mm-hmm. and now you are one of the primary care physicians at a new facility that's opening up, correct? Yeah. I joined a new company. It's called Juno Medical. It's a, a healthcare startup that Started in 2020 in the spring in Harlem. Great time. Great time to start a business. Yeah. And you know what? It actually turned out really well because they were able to be a a staple in that community during a really tough time. And I think they really earned the community's trust for all the good work they did during the pandemic. This company grew and expanded to Brooklyn. It just, as of last week, expanded to Atlanta. It's going out to LA at the end of the year, and it's also going to be here in Tulsa. So we are we are wildly excited. We are going to be next door neighbors to Greenwood Rising on Greenwood in the 21 North Greenwood building. So if you are driving east towards downtown mm-hmm. and Greenwood Rising is on your right, you make a right on the Greenwood and it's just immediately to the south. Okay. Yeah, the four-story building, beautiful, uh, okay, okay. brand new, still under construction. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be our home right on the south side of the first floor. That's very, very, very cool. People here like medical startup and they're like, what is that? What is changing about the way we interact with our doctors and whatnot? So like, give us like Juno's pitch for like why Juno is different. So we recognize that for most families, and this is 
pretty consistent across most cultures. The mother is like the chief health officer of the family, which means oftentimes that burden of taking care of the family and keeping the family healthy falls on the mother. And what we want to do in, with Juno, and really it doesn't matter who it is, but whoever is taking care of that family, we want to make it more convenient for them. We have accepted health care's inconvenience for forever, right? It's just, you know, you're going to the doctor, you're going to, people might be rude when you show up, you, you know, you might wait an hour to see your doctor, your appointment's at one, you don't get in until 2.30, you don't get out of there until four. And that's just how healthcare is, right? Mm-hmm. But what Juno is trying to do is shake things up and say, no, we don't have to accept healthcare as being inconvenient. And we don't have to compromise excellence either, right? Healthcare can be convenient and it can also be high quality. And so what we try to do is, is really keep everything under one roof when at all possible. So the, the New York centers, they have pediatrics, they have women's health, they have family medicine, they have labs, they have x-ray, they have urgent care, all built under the same roof. And so if you have a family and you need to get everybody's checkup, well, why don't we just take a few hours and, you know, little Timmy can get seen, mom can get seen, dad can get seen. If they need labs, they can get it done right there. If somebody needs an x-ray, they can get it done right there. And all of the while, when they walk in, they're going to be greeted with kindness. They're going to be treated with respect. They know that they're going to be heard, right? And, and so for far too long, you might find a healthcare company that does one of those well, right? Or doesn't do this well, but does that well. We're trying to do it all well. It doesn't have to be an either or situation. We want to be convenient. We want to provide excellent care, and we want people to be heard and respected. So I know you have a real question, but I've, I've got to say the waiting that you have to do to go see your doctor, I've just, I've started fighting it in my own small way. Where yeah. my appointment's at one, I show up at one. I'm not showing up early <laughs> to sit there for 20 minutes. We need minutes. you to get there yeah. 30 minutes to fill out a form. Yeah. And then at one o'clock, we're not really, you're not really going to. Yeah. yeah. But today, let me tell, let my me wife, tell you a story. she had to wait yeah. an hour and a half from when her appointment was supposed to start to when her doctor actually showed up. Yeah. I mean, I took my mother to an appointment and a pretty serious appointment. I was like, Mom, you, you got a doctor, son. You should let him take you to the doctor, right? And be there with you. And so I picked her up and I was running a little bit late. And her appointment, let's say her appointment was at one o'clock. We walk through the door. We're at the desk at one o two, And they tell her, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to see you today because you, you're you late. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. They saw her. But yeah. Yeah. can you believe that, right? And uh, so knowing yeah. that there's no way she was going to be seen anywhere near yeah. 1 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like the doctor isn't, at least in my experience, it's not the doctor who sees you first. It's like it's like a, an RN or someone doing their residency first. And then it's another 20 minutes sitting in, in what I have to say, at least at OU Tulsa, are chairs designed for the size of Oklahomans? Like they're large chairs. Oh. I'm like, this is a two person chair. <laughs> but I think you actually had a serious question you were about to ask. Well, no, I mean, it's just because a lot of times when we think of the wait, we think of going and having to wait for an appointment. But even more powerful is having everything in the same place. I was going to use the example of, well, when I had some sinus surgery last year. So I saw a doctor who then ordered to get some sinus x-rays or something. So 
they didn't have the facility there. So I had to go somewhere else where they made another appointment, which was like two or three weeks later. And then a, an appointment, another two or three weeks later to get it reviewed so that then they could do another test that delayed another two or three weeks because they were dealing with, we were, I think I dealt with maybe four different entities and doctor's offices and clinics to get all the testing and everything I needed. And so it wasn't just that each day it took a long time. It meant that I was dealing with the discomfort I was dealing with for probably three or four months longer than I needed to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, understanding that referrals are a part of healthcare, but what we are really trying to do is form partnerships with specialists and entities, get to know them and say, hey, if we're going to send the patients that we care for to you, we want to know when they come to see you, they're going to be heard and respected. We want to know that you're going to be able to see them in a timely fashion. We want to know that you're going to communicate with us and with them appropriately. And if you can do that and you can just demonstrate that you can do that, we'll keep sending you patients. But if not, then we're going to find someone that can, right? And so what we want to be is kind of like a quarterback for our patients and help them navigate those those systems, right? Um, I don't know that we're going to have x-ray on site, but we are partnering with a facility that's just a, a mile or so away that we visited and we vetted and we know they do good quality work and they treat the patients right. And so we feel okay to say, hey, we know they can take care of you. And if they don't, let us know because we need that feedback. Yeah. So remind me again, the cities of where these Juno clinics are, we, got, we have Harlem. We've got Harlem. Right. We've got Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. We have Atlanta. And we have L.A. and Inglewood coming in end of 2023. And then we have Tulsa coming this late spring. So those cities all, I would say, they share a, a common, I don't know how to phrase this. They have unique populations that I think are known to people as far as like the percentage of different groups who live there, right? But either traditionally, historically, or currently. And so there's definitely a... I think aiming to help communities that have life expectancy issues mm-hmm. uh, comes into play here. Is that is that something that Juno does without sort of saying it out loud, or is that something they're they're specifically focused on? Yeah, yeah. You know, without getting into the the secret sauce of where Juno locates, we know that the patient demographics of the communities that you're going to find the clinics have to fit a certain criteria. We also know we want to be places where we're needed. If you are have any familiarity with with you know Tulsa healthcare disparities, you know of the life expectancy differences between North and South Tulsa. That's not unique to Tulsa. Those those exist in New York. They exist in Atlanta. They exist in Los Angeles. And and so we want to be places where we can make a true impact. Uh, and then the other part of it is all of these cities that we are have really unique cultural histories, right? And when I think of Harlem, where Juno started, first people say, wow, Harlem and Brooklyn and Atlanta and LA and then in Tulsa. And I say, yeah, Harlem, Brooklyn, Atlanta, LA and Tulsa, uh, because we have a really unique cultural history that I think should be talked about in the ways that a Harlem is and was once talked about. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the the Harlem Renaissance and the rise of Greenwood, there are a lot of similarities there. I mean, was was placing this clinic in Greenwood, was that intentional? I don't know if it, it definitely was intentional to be placed in Greenwood for a lot of reasons. And I know that our founder, Dr. Achille Henson, living in Harlem, 
and being well aware of Greenwood and its history and Dr. A.C. Jackson, who was the black surgeon in Greenwood, he's familiar with all of that. And so I think when he found the opportunity to put healthcare, help deliver healthcare to Greenwood when that has not happened in decades, 50 plus years, uh, he, he understood how special that opportunity was. So in addition to obviously being a, a hub and support for Greenwood and North Tulsa, as somebody who has worked in downtown Tulsa for a long time and even lived in downtown for a long time, there aren't a lot of accessible clinics in downtown. So it seems like it could also become a hub for people who live or work in downtown as well. Outside of OSU Medical Center, there are really no clinics Mm -hmm. in downtown. And you're absolutely right. Um, As you look around, you know, in just a several block radius around where our clinic is going to be, I mean, I can just off the top of the head, think of, you know, four apartment complexes that are either just opening or going up, right? Mm -hmm. And then numerous buildings in downtown. And so I can see us being a place where if you live downtown and you need to go get a flu check or you need to go get a checkup or you fell and you twisted your ankle, you can walk or hobble Mm -hmm. down to to the clinic and be seen. And then we also are going to really connect with some of the industry in, in downtown Tulsa to say, Hey, employers, um, we're here. This is the kind of care that we provide. Um, would you like to partner and, and, and allow us to take care of your employees? So there's a lot of different ways that I think we can make an impact in the community. Trying to remember back to the, our previous podcast, it's been a few years, but I know that one of the things that was important for you was to provide care to people who would see you as somebody who looks like them or comes from where they come from. Is that something that is important to Juno? Is that that translate with with your work at Juno as well? Yeah, it does, memory. That is still something that I, I care wildly about. I think it's important. And I look at our team, our, our team nationally at Juno from leadership down through the rest of the company. And it is a, a successfully diverse team in every sense of the way. And I think that's important. And I think it is also important for a clinic that is in a very diverse part of Tulsa to mirror that community, right? Mm -hmm. And so we are currently, as we are putting our team together, we are mirroring the community that we're going to take care of. And to go beyond that, you know, my hope is when we have a little, little black boy or a little black girl coming into our clinic and see a, a black doctor, say, wow, I've never had a black doctor before. Maybe I can be a doctor. I've never thought about that, right? And, and I think we shouldn't glance over that, that significance because that's important as well. By the way, we're all going to feel silly. Uh, Gibran's episode at least was released July 1st, 2021. So it was, I think, during the first, the end of the sort of first wave post-vaccination gotcha. opening up where we were like, it's over. And then it wasn't, but we all feel terrible. Um, no. What is, what is time? Yeah. What I, is like, time I think it's an indication of what the last couple of years has felt like where yeah. it, it felt like it had been, it was like 2019 when we talked to you last. <laughs> so I know like the part of these clinics have like a sort of extra like membership fee slash like concierge service thing. Is it also like you're sort of adding parts of what, some people would go to like an urgent care center for only because it's open. 
in your clinic. So you don't have to go to places you don't know, but it, you go there because it's open and you're, you're, you're in pain. Yeah, it is. So we have what, what we refer to as same day care, also known as urgent care. And I think what makes it unique is that it is, it is adjacent, literally it's in the same building, to our primary care services, right? And so someone can be established with their primary care doctor and they have some sort of acute illness, whatever it may be, let's say a sore throat, and their primary care doctor can't get them in for, you know, next, till next week. Well, they don't want to sit around and have a sore throat for a week. They go to an urgent care and they go to an urgent care that yeah, probably is going to provide okay care, but it's from people that don't know them, don't have their medical records. They mm-hmm. don't know that they had this same sore throat last year, right? And those things impact care and how care is is provided and how care is received. And so having that under one roof, I think, is is phenomenal. Also, with our model of same-day care, you can just get online and make an appointment that day, right? And so you know what time you're going to get seen. You don't have to go sit in a, in a lobby for, you know, an hour and a half to wait for your name to be called. And again, it's convenience. We, it's not a big mind-blowing idea, but it is for healthcare. Yeah. I feel like we, we collectively as a society just decided to stop fighting certain things. And I think one of the things we decided was just we didn't know how to fight it was just the inconvenience that is getting getting seen by your doctor, medical attention in general. I tell the story of my quote unquote gout attack that I had because we still don't know because the urgent care center people just gave me, you know, massive anti-inflammatories to get rid of the pain. But like had that been attached to my doctor's office, like they might have like also done that test because they would have my medical records to look at. And so my doctor wouldn't have been mad at me, even though it's not my fault. I couldn't walk. I'm sorry I didn't <laughs> wait till Monday. Ugh. But so, so talking about, I mean, I feel like Tulsa, one of Tulsa's like biggest industries other than like oil and gas is hospitals, is medical things. We have multiple huge hospitals. We have the huge VA complex down South Tulsa. Broken Arrow has like now an offshoot of all three major hospitals, <laughs> right? Uh, Oklahoma has in general its own health issues. And so I feel like this is, it's a very interesting place on top of its own uh, racial history to also have a more smaller, more concerned about its patients sort of clinic, which would be honestly very nice. So I'm looking forward to it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. And, and, and just kind of thinking about how healthcare makes money for a long time primary care was kind of the stepchild because it didn't really make money. Yeah. Right. The money was in the hospitals, but over the past 10 years or, or more, but m- more lately than, than, than 10 years ago, the way that healthcare institutions and physicians are getting paid is changing. And as we shift to these models that, that they refer to <laughs> as value-based models, folks are being paid to keep their patients healthy. Well, because it wasn't there a primary care physician like shortage fear for a long time. Like, yeah, absolutely. And is that no longer the no, there's, case? There's, there's definitely still a shortage. But I think as we are beginning to value the work of a really good primary care because it keeps people healthy, it keeps them out of hospitals, mm-hmm. it keeps costs down for insurance companies. Right. It's good. There's going to be a shift, and we're already starting to see it. Hospitals aren't making the money they used mm-hmm. to, and primary care doctors and these models. That's why you're seeing these novel primary care models pop up all over the country and they are wildly successful, right? CBS just bought Oak street for many billions of oh, dollars really? because it works. Right. Yeah. And, and you're paying 
healthcare to do their job, which is to keep people healthy as opposed right. to run tests and prescribe medicines and mm-hmm. do procedures. You mentioned that the original clinic through their work during the pandemic were able to sort of prove themselves and get by trust basically from the community. Mm-hmm. It's fair to say that with a lot of marginalized communities, they've had sometimes traumatic experience with doctors, with healthcare facilities. So how do you how do you breed that trust here in Tulsa? Yeah. First and foremost, by doing what you just did and acknowledging it, right? Saying we know that we have failed many communities, we as in healthcare, and providing an avenue for folks to talk about those mm-hmm. those failures and, and what that has been like, I think is is an important first step, right? And to not just say, we know you don't trust us. <laughs> it's it's to say, why would you trust us? Yeah. I wouldn't have trusted us either. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just start there. Right. Mm-hmm. So people, you're not, you're not gaslighting people. Right. Right. And then don't just say, Hey, I'm, I'm here to save you. We're this new clinic. We're going to come save you. We're going to come do this for you. It's saying, Hey, we're a new clinic. We understand that we're a new clinic. How can we help? Yeah. What do you need from us? We want to provide a platform for the community to to use their voice because they haven't always had that opportunity. The reason why I wanted to take this job because I think this role needed to be led by a Tulsa. Someone who's from Tulsa, yep. someone who understands t- Tulsa's healthcare but also understands Tulsa's history and 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 I mean every sense of the word when I say mm-hmm. Tulsa's history. And, and and it's not to say that there aren't other people that could have done it, but I also feel like if this doesn't go well, I don't know that anybody else is going to take a chance and invest in Tulsa to do this. And so I, I wanted to be the person uh, to help make this this dream come to fruition. So I, I have to ask just because I'm fascinated by this. So you're going to be one of when you all launch, are you going to be the only primary care doctor at the beginning? Good question. So so my role, I have a couple roles. So I was going to say, because I see two on your LinkedIn page yeah, already. Yeah. So my... My clinical role is medical director um, of the this clinic, of the Tulsa market. But right now, the only place we are is going to be in Greenwood. And so as medical director, you know, I get to kind of oversee the team that we're putting together that's going to take care of this community. But also, it was important for me to actually see patients, right? So I'll do some clinical work as well and taking care of adults uh, here here in Tulsa. My other role is vice president of health equity, and that role is nationally. And so in that role, I get to really help define the health equity strategy for Juno across all the markets. And that's that was another really important role for me because that's something that I'm really passionate about. In Tulsa, we're going to have myself as an internal medicine physician. Uh, we've hired a family medicine physician who's going to be full time, who can see kids and adults. Um, we have two physician assistants that are going to be working in our same-day care clinic as well. Um, We are actively recruiting another family medicine doctor as well as another either nurse practitioner or physician assistant to be in a primary care role. So that's kind of how we're going to kind of start things off. We've already talked about what would make sense to expand uh, in the future. We would like to consider having a women's health pra- practitioner, whether it's an OBGYN or a women's health nurse practitioner or a PA. And then the elephant in the room is mental health. I think we have to find a way to provide mental health services somewhere in the not too distant future if we are to have the impact that I think we can have. 
If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber rich. Tallgrass begs to differ. Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of Stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan's exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more, because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pot for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pot for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. My question is so broad, I need to focus it down in my head a little <laughs> bit. But since since you are the sort of Tilsa Market Medical Director, what when when Juno came to you and we're like, we want you to run this clinic here in Tulsa, what was the first like priority that ran in your mind about what this clinic should focus on? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. The, the clinic that I want to build, and I say I, but the clinic that I want us to be able to build is a clinic where we don't have that palpable traditional healthcare hierarchy where the doctor is at the top and, you know, we've got to make him or her happy and we've got to walk on eggshells and whatever they say goes, they could be doing something wildly inappropriate, but we can't say anything because that's the doctor. I want to do what what I've learned to call like blunt that hierarchy. And I want it to be a clinic where receptionists, who is going to be so important as the first face that many of our patients uh, see, that our receptionists, if they have an idea of how we can be better, will have no issue coming to me and saying, hey, I think we can do this better by doing X, Y, and Z, right? And I want that to hold true across our team. And so if we have team members that feel respected and heard, well, guess what? So are our patients. And so it really starts with, with our team. And Juno has very tough criteria for who we can hire because of the excellence that we expect. And so we have to have people who are well-seasoned, who have experience, who believe in that team model and so it can make it tough to hire, right? Because not all of the applicants that have come across meet that tough criteria. But at the end of the day, it makes it a lot easier to build the team that we're going to need to be successful here. So it, the clinic hasn't opened yet. Do you guys have a, like a, a soft opening date that we can release? Theoretically? Yeah, yeah. So what I would say is, is late spring, early summer. Um, as of today, the target opening is May 15th. 
but that all depends on construction. I do know that, you know, our folks so are... So June, probably. Yeah. Probably, right? <laughs> I do know that our folks are in there doing whatever it is they need to do to, to build the space out. Sometime probably June-ish, mm-hmm. um, but we want to be open by Juneteenth because um, that could be pretty awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned that you, you know, want to reach out to some of the local companies and stuff to partner with them. What other outreach... And, and marketing are you planning? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, with my role as vice president of health equity, I'm thinking about community outreach and partnerships from that perspective quite often. And I want the the partnerships that we form, whether they're with, you know, nonprofits or other organizations to be partnerships that are focused on improving the health of the community, mm-hmm. right? I want um, the community outreach that we are doing to be community outreach that is, again, trying to address the lack of health equity that we have in our community. Um, We've got, um, right now, we've got five uh, team members, and three of us uh, are going to uh, hang out with Dr. Chris McNeil and uh, Youth Medical Mentorship uh, event at Union High School and and hanging out with, you know, lots of underrepresented uh, high school students uh, and teaching them ultrasound and teaching them how to suture and how to how to check vital signs. And at the end of the day, just sitting down with them and just chatting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, answering their questions, trying to offer encouragement. Um, and that's something that I'm really big on, things like that. Um, so our team is going to be taking part in a, in a lot of events like that as well. Have you thought about a podcast? No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Tulsa and Oklahoma in general, like collectively, have health issues, right? We don't walk. We don't walk enough. All the food we get at restaurants most of the time is terrible for you, et cetera. And I'm glad that there is at least one place that is thinking about the fact that if we all like collectively take care of ourselves throughout the year, then we can avoid larger problems going forward. And I think most people are trying to think that way. It's amazing it took health insurance companies this long to realize they could save money if people just took care of themselves. Mm-hmm. But like in general, what would you say to someone who's thinking about you know, coming to Juno and to you as a patient of like, why, what's going to be not better necessarily, but more complete than just going to whatever other primary care physician is covered by your insurance. I want to think of us as not just healthcare, but also as hospitality. And not to say that you can just come and get all the pills you ask for, not, <laughs> not hospitality in that sense, but I want to approach healthcare the way that companies that have really good hospitality approach whatever it is that they do, right? Whether it's a hotel company or Chick-fil-A or, you know, you walk in the door and you're greeted and people behind the desk recognize that chances are your day as a patient is probably worse than their day. And to not be a reason for your day to get any worse, right? And so just from the jump, when you walk in the door, we want it to be just a really welcoming environment. Um, the other part is one commitment that that I've gotten buy-in for as the VP of Health Equity is that every single, every single Juno employee is going to get health equity training um, on site. I'm going to be going to every single location uh, to talk to all of our employees, not just our clinicians, but our front desk folks and our medical assistants mm-hmm. and our non-clinical facing people about 
what bias in healthcare looks like and how it manifests and how it shapes health disparities and what we can do to mitigate it. How the words that we choose to write in a patient's chart can have impacts on that patient down the road if we use the wrong language, language that is stigmatizing or biasing. How we can better uh, provide care that is culturally sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so every single Juno employee is going to have that. I don't know that um, any other company can make that bold of a statement. Um, and and that's something that we can um, we can say that is going to be the case. And and soon, like within the yep. next six six months, every single Juno employee is going to have had really intensive health equity training on how they can provide the best care for these communities that unfortunately <clears throat> have not historically gotten that. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, really important just because of the recent news with like the the VA, you know, reports coming out that the quality of care and the treatment they were giving specifically to African-Americans, but but lots of marginalized com- communities was substantially worse than what they were giving to white people. And I, you know, I know previously we talked about that <clears throat> for certain marginalized groups, their their pain isn't respected the way mm-hmm. it is for other groups there their um, explanation about what they're feel they're feeling is discounted. So I can see that. I mean, that's a, a critical thing. And I understand that uh, how important it is that, to teach that. But once again, for somebody who is on the other side, who has experienced that mm-hmm. and has gotten to the point where maybe they don't share everything that's going wrong with them because they've been told over and over again that, what they're feeling isn't real. How do you kind of draw that back out, draw them back out so that they become part of their healthcare? Yeah. And, and I don't want to want to paint the picture that it's easy, but it is worth the effort. And, and I think just helping people understand that you care to hear about some of their past experience with healthcare, if they, if they care to tell you, um, can go a long way, right. Um, to help people know, Hey, we're here for you. Um, we want to be able to provide the care that that you deserve uh, to say, hey, I'm not perfect. There are going to be times where I may misstep, um, but please let me know if I do so. Uh, that mm-hmm. can go a, a really long way. But at the end of the day, I think it's helping people recognize, especially from our perspective, that everybody has biases. And it's not until we can recognize that everyone has them that we can then recognize that we too have them and then better be able to catch them when those biases pop out. And then that gives us a better chance to mitigate them. And so, you know, for the folks that have had bad experiences and you, I don't need to go down the list, but there's so many groups that don't get the care that they deserve. And it's not that it's intentional, um, but I want those folks to know that we are approaching this from a different perspective because the way that we've done it forever as a mm-hmm. as healthcare just hasn't worked. Are there long-term plans to have uh, like bilingual employees and, and support for that? Because as we know, North Tulsa is becoming more and more diverse. Yeah. You know, I think most people think that it's largely African-American, but there's a huge immigrant population there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we incentivize folks that are Spanish speaking as well in the way we compensate them. So we, we are trying to heavily recruit folks that are bilingual, understanding that. But we also know that if we do have an employee that's seen someone in a um, our Spanish speaking, that we have to tap into um, our language lines and language services uh, to make sure we have 
translators available uh, and that we know how to use these translating services. You know, so many times we just say, oh, well, you're there with your your son or your cousin. They can speak English. We'll let them translate. No, that's that's actually not the way to do it. You need to make sure that you're using someone who's a certified translator so things aren't getting lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some medical words that are probably harder, like hard to translate or you know, in a different language have become a very different sounding word than someone who just knows the language might be, you know, knowledgeable in. Absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So this is going to get real in the weeds, but as someone who's gone to a multitude of doctors and is fascinated by technology, I'm very curious about the sort of the system that both you as a doctor and the patients who are coming to you will interact with. Like I know, like, I'm always fascinated watching like the nurse use the card, scan into their PC, and usually type into something that looks like a a database from like 2007. <laughs> and I know like making software that is like HIPAA compliant and deals with all the things that doctors have to deal with is is hard. But I'm I'm curious about what Juno has has Juno like worked on their own software? Are they using one out there that like people aren't familiar with? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, great question. You know, Juno markets itself as a as a, a tech-enabled healthcare company. And I think tech-enabled can mean a lot of things. And it does uh, from Juno's perspective. It, it, it means that traditional brick-and-mortar healthcare model isn't all that we offer. Almost every visit that a patient needs to be seen for can uh, be converted to a virtual model. And so we use a, a platform that allows us to you know, quickly pivot and we can provide virtual visits uh, for our patients, understanding, again, that that's pretty convenient if if you just have a few minutes and you don't have time to drive across town, right? We also consider ourselves tech-enabled because behind the scenes doing stuff that I have no idea about are Juno um, folks that are building our own platforms. Um, we just rolled out our own platform for patient scheduling. Uh, and you know, if it's your own platform, you know it, right? And so you can make it better a lot easier. And if there's a problem, you can problem solve a lot quicker. Um, so I would imagine that a lot of the tech that we're using that are third-party um, tech, eventually we'll probably will be working on our own. I mean, because like, I don't know about you, but getting a business card with the date of my next appointment is not something that's going to be easy for me to hold on to. <laughs> so it'd be nice to get like an email reminder. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we do, we, we essentially do all of our communication with patients via email uh, now. And there's a patient portal where they can access it on their phone. And, you know, for the old school people that want a phone call, guess what? <laughs> you know, yeah. call them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, I, I was told like this summer, the OU Telsa patient portal will actually work. And I'm like, great, guys. I'm glad it exists now and doesn't work. Not to keep uh, shitting on my own doctor's office, but like even doctors I know who have worked for OU Telsa and have now left are like, the system, not great. So (laughs) they all work at different places now. Yeah. Uh, Our listeners can't see, but Jabron just did an eye roll in agreement. It's really hard to feel like your doctors really care that much about you the way the system is designed now. And I hate it. Like, I want to get to know my doctor. I want my doctor to seem to, like, remember things from my last visit. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. it's hard. And they're all, just like everybody else, you know, oh, probably overworked and trying to accomplish too much. But, like, it's something where if you feel like you're inconveniencing them by mentioning something that you're kind of worried about, then, like, that that's going to lead to problems going forward if you don't trust 
like that your time is worthwhile yeah. with your doctor. I think that's what we're up against, meaning healthcare. Like how do we reestablish trust? And oftentimes reestablish isn't the right word. It's established. Establish, yeah. Because it, it hasn't ever been there for certain yeah. communities. And and also understanding that there's got to be a middle ground, right, uh, in terms of figuring out how we can spend quality time with our patients, get the information we need, make them feel comfortable, but also not be an hour behind. So the next patient is waiting. Yeah. Uh, and I think that has to do with not squeezing so many patients in a day, right? Yeah. And as we start to rethink and reimagine how physicians and practices are reimbursed, I think that's going to be a lot easier um, to do because if we're not just getting paid by seeing an X amount of patients, but also getting paid because we're keeping patients' blood sugars down and their blood pressure under control and out of the hospital, that also makes it a whole lot easier mm-hmm. to spend the time needed with each patient because um, that'll help them keep, keep help keep them safer and, and well. Yeah. I mean, I would think that's something that insurance companies would want to incentivize. Mm-hmm. It is, and they, and they are working on it. Um, you know, the, this value-based model is coming. Um, it's not perfect. Um, but I, I feel like it's probably in the right direction. Yeah. It's going to take some time to to iron the kinks out. But mm-hmm. um, I think that's the right way to think about it, at least. Yeah. So for, obviously, there have been some improvements related to um, getting people on health insurance and everything else. But so what are you doing for people who are uninsured or underinsured? Yeah, I think that's uh to be determined. Um, you know, we are a for-profit organization. And, and so understanding that there are going to be folks that may be paying out of pocket, we can't offer free care. Because right. if you're, you know, and you have, you can't just offer free care to some and not all. Right. But what you can do is be really transparent in your pricing. This is another, like, it's not mind-blowing, but it doesn't right. happen in healthcare. Think about if you were to go to a restaurant and you order all this stuff and you literally have no idea yeah. what it costs until right. the bill comes. And uh, and you get three bills and the, <laughs> the second and third bill come three months later. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, wait, didn't I already pay? Yeah, I thought I already paid this? this. Yeah. Oh no, it's no, the no. anesthesiologist who works for a different office. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, sorry, you didn't, the the cheesecake, that was a separate, came yeah. somewhere separate, so you're paying for that Yeah, now. we wouldn't you accept already... that at a restaurant. <laughs> exactly, right? So- one thing that that Juno is is big on is really being transparent, mm-hmm. and so um, we actually have price sheets where it says, "Hey, if you are in network, this is how much this visit is going to cost you. This is how much a set of labs is going to cost you. If you are out of network but but insured, this is how much it's going to cost mm-hmm. you. If you are uninsured, this is how much this would cost you, right? And so that's the least we can do is at least tell people yeah. how much it's going to cost. Yeah. Well, and I know from looking at your website, there's also some membership programs as well that that go with it. Yeah, and this is what makes us really unique. Um, so traditionally, when you think about membership model, and this is rel- relatively new in healthcare, you think of what's called um, concierge medicine, right? It's a doctor who doesn't take insurance at all, who only sees patients who agree to sign up for a membership. And that membership is a set monthly fee that they pay no matter what. It gives them certain 
accesses uh, to those services, right? Um, what we are trying to do is, and that is usually thought of as like really high quality care. What we are trying to do um, with our membership model, and we have two models, is to say we can have someone in the same lobby accessing the same doctors who has sooner care as a person who is paying a monthly membership for their care. Like that's, but that's really unique. It maybe doesn't exist anywhere else, right? And so the, the two models that we have, one is what I would call a, a, you know, a minimal fee. It's relative. I understand that. But a $25 a month fee for an individual or $50 a month for a family. And that essentially just gives them access to after-hours care. So you may be able to come and get your checkup at 8 p.m. Um, with that fee. And it also... Um, gives you some discounted labs and those sorts of things. There's some other perks as well. Does that mean you have to be there at 8 p.m.? Probably not. Um, sometimes. <laughs> I was like, I, was like but, I don't want to overwork you here. But somebody will be there. All right. right? Good, good, good. Um, and then there is a, a more traditional kind of concierge style model where it's $100 a month for an individual or $250 a month for a family. These are generally people who don't carry commercial insurance um, because that gives them unlimited virtual visits. That gives them uh, an, a fr free annual visits. It gives them access to, to you know, certain visits for acute illnesses with no out-of-pocket fee. And so those are folks who will say, hey, I'll carry some insurance if I have to go to the hospital, um, but I'll, my insurance will be this, uh, this membership. Listen, I, th I mean, I love this because, yep. I mean, it's just, one, knowing how much things are and having the like the willingness to pay extra just so you have the freedom to do all of your medical things when you have the free time to do them and not take what has to be an entire afternoon for like a one hour appointment right. because you know that one hour appointment is going to be two and a half hours of sitting around filling out paperwork that you've already filled out. <laughs> yeah. And what I have to say anytime I talk about these memberships is that that does not impact the quality of care that you're going to get. Yeah. Whether you're a member or not. And we will not advertise or solicit mm -hmm. membership in the clinic. Yeah. Um, you know, you can ask us about it. You can look on our website and probably find some somewhere about the membership. But mm -hmm. um, we're not soliciting folks to sign up for a membership in our clinic. That is yeah. not what we're about. One of the things that kind of excites me about this is that, and we've this has come up in other podcasts we've done, is that there aren't a lot of shared spaces anymore where people of different races and socioeconomic status can be together in the same place with kind of a shared experience. And this is almost, it's creating that situation without it seeming like it's happening, right? Somebody walking in there isn't going in thinking they're walking into that, but they're going to be in there and be in the same room with people who are very different for them. So it, can almost force empathy on people when they're not expecting forced it. empathy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been thinking about what the clinic is going to be like. And, and, you know, as I, you know, sit around and twiddle my thumbs uh, with no patients to see right now. And oftentimes my image in my head is looking at a lobby where we have exactly what you just described. And, I think that's going to be a really powerful image. And I think that is what Juno is about, that no matter 
how much money you make or the color of your mm-hmm. skin or who you choose to love. You can come here and get the best care that Tulsa has to offer from clinicians that understand what truly shapes health. They understand the impact of bias and systemic racism on health. That's who you're going to see. And so I cannot wait. I know that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And that's going to probably cough, catch me off guard and I might <laughs> drop a tear. But um, that's going to be really special. And that's what I that's what I envision when I think about our clinic. Well, as we've been talking about um, health inequities, we've been talking about it mostly like on racial lines. And something else I know that is an issue in Oklahoma and most places is LGBTQIA plus people's concern about the doctors they go to and the sort of sensitivity you were talking about. Is that something else that not maybe not necessarily at the start, but something you're aiming aiming to also have? Yeah, absolutely. And and another thing that I can I can commit to in Tulsa and and hopefully uh, across the, the the country with our other sites is getting the training needed to be able to provide the best care for for those people, right? For that community. There are people that do it really well. And then there are folks that just they just don't know, right? And in order to do it well, you have to be intentional. And so, you know, tapping into the resources that are available so we can do that. Um, because you're right, we haven't talked a lot about other groups, but there's a lot of groups that experience, dis- you know, health disparities. We we think we talk about folks mental health disorder. We talk about folks with substance use disorders. We talk about individuals with with obesity and and LGBTQ plus people. We we women, right? Um, disparities exist in all of those groups, and so under, understanding that. We know that there's a lot of work to be done, um, but we want all people who have at some point been let down by healthcare to to help regain some of that trust that's been lost. So, what what would you say, both your vision for the clinic here and Juno in general looks like, say five years from now? So, Juno in general, I think my vision is for every decision that the company makes, small or large, the impact on health equity is being considered, right? And that doesn't mean that they're always going to be able to make the decision that is pro-health equity, but it has been considered. And more often than not, the decision that is being made is pro-health equity. That's my overarching vision for Juno as a whole in my role as vice president of health equity, right? That's what I care about. Locally, I want folks, when they think about Greenwood, to think about the high quality care that can be received in Greenwood. Um, I want them to think about Greenwood the same way that uh, they think about the tech resurgence in Greenwood. I want them to think about Greenwood the same way they think about the entrepreneurial spirit. I want them to think about healthcare. We know in Greenwood, no matter where we live in the uh, in the city, whether it's in North Tulsa or in Greenwood or, you know, out in the suburbs that we can go to Greenwood and get high quality care from folks that are going to hear us and respect us. Well, normally, like if you're working for a nonprofit, this is this would be when we give you the the time to pitch uh, people to donate money. This is not one of those situations. So uh, for our listeners, like, I guess, what can they what can they do other than becoming patients to sort of support this idea this sort of revolution in how we interact with our doctors. 
Yeah, you know, we are going to be doing some community outreach, and one of those is going to kind of take the form of what I, at least now, I'm calling community conversations, where we'll get a chance to spend a few minutes telling you about Juno and what it is and why we're different. Um, We're also going to spend some time um, doing some sort of health education piece that may look like many different things. But most importantly, we want to spend some time hearing from from you uh, and what what you need from this new clinic that's coming, right? Whether it's services or the types of care, um, what has worked in the past, what hasn't worked. We just want to provide a a platform for folks to tell us, hey, I think we should do this, or I've had an experience that was poor because of this, and just generate some conversations and discussions. So follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and we, we will definitely be advertising these sessions, uh, and they'll come up sometime in the next couple of months for sure. Well, Gibran, thank you. This is It's always fun to rant about times you have to wait on things, and there's <laughs> certainly plenty of that in in uh, the medical field. But uh, I think Chris and I are both very excited to, one, see how much this helps the community and also as sort of competition against the rest of the sort of medical industrial complex we have to deal with on a daily basis. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. We're ready. So again, thank you so much. And um, uh, for our listeners, get a membership if you can and, you know, um, make an appointment to see uh, Dr. Gibran Pasha. So (laughs) thanks, fellas. Happy to be here. Thank you all for listening to our episode with Dr. Gibran Pasha. Please make sure to check out Juno Medical on their website. Keep a look out on social media and Gibran's posts for when they open. And thank you all for supporting this show. Make sure to like and subscribe and all the other things we talk about on this podcast. So, as always, Tulsa, keep it together. Broken Arrow, get your shit together. Stay safe out there. <laughs>